Previously on Transformers University, we've made it through most of the second season of the original cartoon, and now we get into five more episodes, and some of them key episodes in the history of the Transformers brand. We will learn the origin of Optimus Prime. We will learn what gives the Transformers their personalities, and we'll have some fun along the way. Right now, on Transformers University. Hello, my friend, and welcome to Transformers University. I am your host, Anthony Brucali, owner, operator, madman, behind the website tfu.info, and of course, all the fun social media accounts associated along with it, and of course, host of this very podcast. And uh, it's been keeping track of this podcast. The last thing in your feed before this episode should have been some special coverage that the fine folks at Hasbro uh, included tfu.info in on uh, where we had a chance to unbox the upcoming War for Cybertron Siege toys. So uh, if you haven't checked that out on the feed, there's also a video version up on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash tfuinfo. And uh, there's also video uh, slideshows of all of my stills from the event. So if you're eagerly awaiting the War for Cybertron Siege line, uh, please swing on by youtube.com slash tfuinfo and check it out. And please subscribe. Uh, every subscription is a step closer to our goal of a thousand subscribers. Also, uh, if you want a little bit more of me, why don't you check out the Hall of Justice podcast? Uh, it's not my podcast. Uh, it is my friend, Seth Everett. Uh, it's his show. Uh, you may know Seth. He is a uh, reporter for NBC Sports. And uh, you may have seen him on TV or heard him on the radio uh, many times. He used to host on uh, ESPN Radio here in New York and uh, was uh, co-host over at MLB.com for a show called Staying Hot with the uh, late, great Daryl Hamilton. Uh, that's back when I used to work there with him. Uh, so we were co-workers, we became friends, and uh, he had me on as his resident Transformers expert uh, when I ran into him at New York Comic Con. And so we talked a bit about Transformers, did a kind of overview of the uh, 35-year run of Transformers. So uh, much more than we've covered in this show, but much quicker than we've covered it in this show. So check it out, Hall of Justice. Uh, it's on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts, most likely it is there. Now, on to today's series of episodes. And these are some serious episodes. We are into Season 2, Episodes 40 through 44, and those are overall episodes 56 through 60. Now, the reason I say these are serious episodes is that there are a number of episodes here that carry over long after G1 ends, and there are some stories here that delve deep into the mythos of the war between the Autobots and the Decepticons. There are also Four out of these five episodes are written by David Wise. And that includes the first of a two-parter, and actually both parts of the two-parter, but the first part, which we will be covering, and that is the key to Vector Sigma Part 1. And for more on the key to Vector Sigma Part 1, you're going to toss it over to my good friend, Gabriel Owens, the Salty Sea Man. Hey folks, Salty Seaman here, coming at you with another Transformer review. Today we're going to look at, or at least I'm going to go look at, the key to Vector Sigma Part 1. Now this was, and I remember very, very much having excitement for this and waiting for the Part part 2 to come out. Because these guys, the Aerobots and Sonicons, have been hitting the shelves for a couple of weeks. And we kind of didn't know anything about them, just started showing up. So then... We suddenly, because sometimes the turnaround time, like we get the toys really early before the episodes actually started introducing them. You start seeing them show up. So this was like, they were pretty new on shelves. So it was exciting that we've got a, uh, you know, episode so quickly about them and we get a full origin story, you know, as opposed to, uh, 
you know, a lot of the guys who just kind of just started showing up and you're like, oh yeah, Skids is here or, you know, whatever your favorite toy was. And then this one, of course, also is just so huge in uh, establishing lore, uh, you know, still to this day, drawn upon and used uh, Vector Sigma himself, uh, Alpha Trion, uh, you know, and there's there's uh, time travel to a degree, but it will be, I mean, there's so much stuff that goes on. Uh, this little arc with the aerial bosses, Sonicons, uh, it just became such a big part of the uh, the mythos and just the excitement around the episodes as the kids on the playground were about. You know, it's like oh, it's like oh, the aerobots are coming in tomorrow. They have to be, you know, because we saw the Sundacons in the uh, the first part. So, uh, so, typical plot of the week: there's a new super fuel. The uh, humans have uh, created. The Autobots are going to test it for them. Uh, they've been trying to keep high security measures to avoid Megatron finding out, which, of course, as we've seen, uh, the Autobots have zero security. Prowl is the worst at his job of any security guy I've ever seen. Laserbeak and Ravage, like, you know, have some um, Bugs Bunny-ish tunnels going in and out of Autobot headquarters. So, of course, Megatron knows about it, and uh, it leads to a, a chase with uh, Megatron and the uh, the Seekers and whatnot, uh, we find out they're much like Wiley e. Coyote and the Roadrunner. Uh, half of the conehead, two thirds of the coneheads, uh, cannot actually fit through the tunnel, the painted tunnel. Uh, which leads Dirge to to say he knew he'd never make it. I knew I'd never make it. Uh, which is uh, <laughs> again, I always like it when they they try to throw a little bit of the tech spec into the uh, the one line uh, the seeker might get an episode. So the uh, Autobots come outside the other end of the tunnel, the tunnel that completely stymied these uh, advanced robots from space who can fly, you know, uh, come out the other end. Uh, Megatron attempts to uh, hold everyone's life there hostage by pointing uh, his cannon, his fusion cannon at the uh, super fuel and say, hey, you know what's going to happen when I do this? And Prime's like, no way, Megatron. You'll have to blow us all up. And frankly... I don't think you've got the guts. So one would think right away, like, oh, Prime must have done the clever switcheroo with empty tanks uh, under the uh, the bridge. Some far-thinking uh, plan of Optimus. No, no, no. He, uh, he he played chicken with Megatron and risked everyone's life, including his own and all the humans there, uh, that the that they may may be able to get the upper hand on Megatron in the situation. That was Mega. That was Optimus Prime's brilliant leadership here. So thankfully, uh, Smokescreen did his job, and Megatron uh, still cannot see around uh, a lot of smoke in his eyes. So yeah, Megatron's tired of getting beat on the the ground by the Autobots. So uh, <laughs> I love this plot contrivance. This this is so great. It's like they're just they're just too superior on the road. Said the the robot that can defy gravity and fly in every direction. Um, but, uh, so they decide, oh, they're going to get some wheels. So we get a montage of where the, uh, the Stunticons come from, uh, courtesy of Rumble, the, uh, blue one, uh, drag strip is, uh, taken from a formula one type race. Uh, dead end is being used in a bank robbery. Now we get Motormaster uh, just being driven down the road. Starts getting chased. We get a little smoking in the bandit nod. Uh, I should mention all the drivers, no matter what they're, every human in this is, is wearing cons- the construction outfit. It's, it, it's, it's, it gets so jarring after a while. It's just like the, the, the construction, uh, template that they have, uh, I'm, that the artists have, and they just use it for, you know, the, the bank robber was dressed as one, the truck drivers dressed as one. It's, it's hilarious. I should also mention this is a David Wise episode. Though I don't think that has anything to do with the uh, the weird animation choices they've made, and we never see where they get Wild Rider and Breakdown, but we assume it was from uh, heavy set men in construction outfits. So they Megatron takes uh, they they retrofit out the uh, what's soon to be Stunticons with a bunch of cool gadgets, including force fields, and uh, Megatron basically takes them on a, a demolition derby through the woods because he's an evil. Because he's evil, he's going to destroy the wildlife for his own amusement. So we cut back to the Autobots uh, seeing uh, Megatron's thievery. And they're like, why does he want wheels? We're like, well, maybe he wants to make his own ground troops. It's like, well, 
You know, there's no way to give them cybernetic personalities here on Earth unless... And it cuts off, and you can almost expect them to say, except for however it is we did the Dinobots, because... And the Constructicons, oh wait, we already retconned that. Oh wait, how did we build the Dinobots? Oh wait, we're going to give an answer, and it's not really going to be an answer, and it's one of the really big, big... uh, of continuity errors in the show is right here because so many times we've established, you know, you can just build a transformer and it comes to life. And then they kind of walked it back and suddenly the Constructicons were originally from Cybertron all along, ignore what we said the first time they showed up. And now we're saying there's no way you can build, uh, any, you can't just bring a transformer to life on earth. You need to go to this place. And uh, yeah, it's uh, I called BS when I saw it as a kid because I knew like no, no, you did this. You guys are changing the story. Behold, the Stanticons. So Megatron and his troops go to Cybertron where they do some exposition on what the what Vector Sigma is. Vector Sigma? Yes. The mega computer deep in the core of Cybertron, which gave us all life. But to activate it, you need this thing called a circuit key. Shockwave lets uh, Megatron know Alpha Trion has the uh, the key to ve- he has the key to Vector Sigma, the circuit key. Megatron knows apparently knows exactly who Alpha Trion is. Makes sense, and he's going to pay him a visit, which also says they know where Alpha Trion is, and they just never do anything about it. Which seems kind of weird, but okay. Meanwhile, the Autobots are also preparing to uh, go to Cybertron. They're taking Omega Supreme. I also like, you know, this point in season two, we've just, you know, the, the you know, how uh, unusual space travel was has kind of just gone away. There's so many modes there now. The Space Bridge, Astro Train, Omega. You know, it's pretty uh, interesting. That's just it's just taken for granted. Like, yeah, we just go to Cybertron, you know, every other Thursday. Megatron breaks in on Alpha Trion, just like everyone just knows where he's at. I, I don't understand how this uh, uh, secret hidden Autobot rebels work or not, but regardless, he gets the key. Uh, Autobots show up outside. Uh, they land just right outside on via Omega, and they find you know basically Alpha Trion blown through a uh, steel wall. Which looked pretty brutal, uh, and they managed to uh, Wheeljack and Ratchet fix him up, and we, we we prepare to get some exposition on Vector Sigma and what Megatron's plans are with his new car group from Mr. Alpha Trion. Megatron wants Vector Sigma to give his new car group personalities. Is that possible? Vector Sigma is still online, and the key Megatron stole is part of its power circuits. So unless something unforeseen happens, we get the idea. I'll get a fun little bit of uh, some more Transformer lore. Uh, Centurion droids, as uh, which is about as Star Wars-y, Buck rogers just as I think you can get, uh, as they are... The Decepticons are trying to get to the, through the path of to Vector Sigma, and they get their tails handed to them pretty handily by these things. I wonder how are they related to the Guardians, which they kind of sort of establish in G One, but it gets fleshed out later. You know, the, 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 this is some some interesting some lore building in the in the show, and the key stops the uh, dro- the, the key does stop the droids, and Megatron is able to continue his quest. How did Megatron know their Autobots topside? We never get that really explained. He wouldn't have known Prime had landed yet. They'd already taken off. There's also a part where they uh, where they go past the shuttle bay. And they're obvious. I, I guess they're drones. But it seems so callous. As they're obviously robot bodies. Torn to shreds. Lying in gory messes. And they just go. What a bunch of junk. So. <laughs> I, I'm. It seems really callous, even if you have the mind of they were just autonomous drones, I guess. So we see Vector Sigma. Uh, We get absolute exposition. Yes, this is the thing that gives Transformers life. I am Vector Sigma. Before Cybertron was, I was. Firmly establishing it 
able. It's one of those things we can't ever kind of peel off the uh, and in G one continuity anymore, even with Primus present. Uh, it just becomes one of those things. And let's remember, it is a it is a gold disco ball. Frenzy cannot believe this is what gives out Transformers all life, and he is probably echoing a lot of people watching this episode. Like Vector Sigma, that's Vector Sigma. That really that. So as Megatron leaves here, relinquishes control. He sends six the drones, Centurion drones on the Autobots. Uh, takes the Cynicons uh, back to Earth. The uh, Autobots build a bunch of uh, drones of their own. They get in a fight. And eventually the uh, the Autobot built ones lead the uh, Centurion drones off the edge like lemmings. Uh, apparently implying that unless you have cyberdeck uh, personality components, which is their kind of way of saying life or what would later become spark, but they're kind of dancing around the, the word life, which is interesting. Uh, yeah, they're just a bunch of dumb, uh, basically radio-controlled cars. So we close out the episode. Uh, the Autobots uh, get to Vector Sigma. They're like, well, it looks like we've been beat here to it. Like the Auto- Auto- I-, I guess they never really meet each other on Cybertron, but uh, uh, Optimus says, like, well, if they're going to do that, you know, they're going to attack us on the ground. We're going to go after them in the air. Megatron's been battling us on the roads. We'll fight him in the skies. Again, he has power glide and jet fire, and the Dinobots can fly as well. But we get—he's he's getting some uh, some more some more air troops coming up. Uh, of course, as as a kid when we watched the episode, we knew him at the aerial bots, which you know, so it got everyone pretty excited for the next day. The, the day after the next day at school, everyone was just you know talking how cool the Stunticons were. They can't wait to see the aerial bots. Like that, that is a very distinct moment I have remembering. Uh, also just one little last point here at the tail end. Uh, they, they, this Stunticons still trying to take that super fuel. So the, the Stunticons raid the base. They see a bunch of driverless cars calling, causing mayhem. And the uh, military immediately says, well, it must be the Autobots because they couldn't be that other group of, uh, transforming robots that always cause us trouble it must be the autobots the ones who never cause us trouble because they're cars and autobots are cars like you know just what what great critical thinking skills the uh, humans of this earth uh, seem to have as we've seen over and over again all right that's it for the salty semen back over to you ant and of course you can catch gabe on his YouTube channel, the Salty Seaman, over at YouTube.com/recharge138, or just follow the link in the show notes. Now, this episode, of course, written by David Wise, and surprisingly, we will not get Wise to the game. Uh, he did not recycle clips uh, from this or story ideas from this, uh, as far as I know. Um, there are a few interesting things in this episode. Uh, namely a uh, one a number of deleted scenes that were in the shooting script but not in the final edit of the show and one of those uh, that I feel is actually really important and it'll become more apparent in the second half of this uh, two-parter is that uh, Omega Supreme while he was on the surface while the rest of the Autobots were underground uh, was fighting shockwave and uh, he's pretty much on the uh, losing end of this fight uh, and ends up fairly well damaged by shockwave uh, during this sequence now that's a big one and that'll that'll come back later and actually give a little color to one of the uh, bigger questions from the next episode but we'll get to that in just a little bit the uh, second uh, thing is that when David Wise was assigned to write this story, uh, they didn't quite tell him what Vector Sigma was. And, uh, uh, the key to Vector Sigma, that was really not in the air. I mean, as I said, we got these aerial bots, and uh, you can do it to part of And oh, by the way, it also has to have this thing they call Vector Sigma. And Bryce calls me up and says, there's these aerial bots, there's this Vector Sigma, and do a story. And I said, what's a Vector Sigma? And Bryce went, hmm, 
And that clip, courtesy of our good friends over at Unicron.com and their YouTube channel. Now, before we move on to part two, a couple of things I just wanted to touch on. Uh, and Gabe really did nail a lot of the things uh, I thought were interesting about this episode. Uh, particularly the scenes where Rumble, the blue one, steals the cars that they will make into the Stunticons. Now, um, the other thing to note here, and the first obvious thing, is the construction hats, as uh, Gabe mentioned. Uh, it's it's just so ridiculous. But uh, I'm pretty sure that Rumble, so when he takes the F1, he throws the driver. I'm pretty sure he murdered that driver. Uh, the bank robbers who are stealing, uh, who are robbing the bank in a Porsche, uh, he throws them from the car while it's moving, uh, fleeing a bank robbery. So I'm pretty sure he killed those two guys too. And then the semi-truck that would become Motormaster, um, also driving down the highway at full speed, being chased by the cops, and he throws the driver out of that moving vehicle. So I'm pretty sure, pretty sure, at least through that sequence, that Rumble, the blue one, murdered four humans. Also, a neat little Easter egg when you see inside Dead End's uh, interior when they're testing out the Stunticons. Dead End has a Decepticon insignia on his steering wheel. And then finally, the, um, the scene where they need the key from Alpha Trion. Uh, one, his place is a mess. Uh, and it's much different than we left it when uh, we last saw him in the search for Alpha Trion. But the key is in a key holder on the wall. Uh, duh. <laughs> and uh, the Decepticons had a hard time finding the key. They could have just looked on the wall by the door. And that brings us to Season 2, Episode 41. Overall Episode 57, The Key to Vector Sigma, Part 2, also by David Wise. And for more on that episode, I'm going to hand it over to Jason Kirk, a... Loyal Patreon subscriber over at patreon.com slash T-F-U-I-N-F-O as he gives us his insight on the episode. Hey guys, last time I was on, I spoke about Prime Target, an episode so crazy and nonsensical that I couldn't help but love it. But today I'm talking about the key to Vector Sigma Part 2, which has the first appearance of the aerial bots as actual functional characters, as well as the debut of Manosaur and Superion. And it's not Prime Target. I mean, it's a little crazy and plain nonsensical, but it falls a little short of lovable. The episode begins with the Autobots unable to bring the aerial bots online because Megatron has the key to Vector Sigma on Earth. Now I can relate to this, as I cannot tell you how many times I've gotten all the way out to the car and realized I forgot to grab my keys. But fear not, for Alpha Trion has a key that will work in his fingers. Talk about convenience. The key works, but in the process kills Alpha Trion. Well, kinda. Vector Sigma awakens and Prime asks that the Aerobots be given personalities. Vector Sigma complies and we are introduced to Silver Bolt, Slingshot, Air Raid, Skydive, and Fireflight. Alpha Trion then reveals that he's become one with Vector Sigma, which for Vector Sigma I imagine is a lot like getting a roommate from out of town that you weren't expecting. Forever. He reveals that the key itself is very powerful and that Megatron could actually use it as a weapon. Now, how fun would it have been if he had just been like, hey, so I'm kind of Vector Sigma now, and wow, I know everything. Like, did you know Megatron's favorite ice cream is Rocky Road? Yeah, I know. Moose Tracks is much better, but he likes Rocky Road. And Starscream's favorite movie is 13 going on 30. Don't judge. However, Shockwave is lurking nearby and hears this, so he tells Megatron of the power that he now holds. Let's hear it for plot convenience! The Autobots then come under attack, but the Aerobots transform and retaliate, overwhelming the Decepticon forces. Outside of Vector Sigma's chamber, Omega Supreme sees the Autobots escape, and Prime orders him to rocket mode up and get them out of there. And then things get weird. Omega throws his arms into the air, which then become the rocket. Yes, this is normal. 
but the rest of him is just left there. Again, this is not that unusual for Omega Supreme. When he lands on Earth, the rest of him reappears. Again, normal for him. But then the Autobots have to get out of him fast because he explodes. For reasons. We then see Ratchet trying to put Omega back together before his brain module fails. And while he does get some help, Prime takes all the Autobots with him on missions, leaving no one to help Ratchet stop Omega from dying. Repeatedly. In the end, he's fine and helps save the day, so yada yada yada, I guess. As for the aerial bots, they end up hating humans, mostly because of a crappy TV show they end up watching. I am not making this up. So they say, see ya, and leave, but not before Optimus makes Silverbolt the aerial bot leader to get his mind off of his fear of heights. I did not have a headache when I started this. So you're probably wondering how Megatron figures out the true power of the key to Vector Sigma. Oh boy. Um, Soundwave trips and drops it, and the ground turns to metal. So, yeah. In the end, the aerial bots do see that humans, in fact, don't suck, as Sparkplug continues to work on Omega Supreme while Ratchet goes for a quick recharge. They go meet the Autobots, who have headed to Seattle to stop the Decepticons, and when Megatron reveals that the Stunticons can turn into Menasaur, Prime shows his cards and orders the aerial bots to combine into Superion. Omega Supreme returns and him and Superion get the upper hand and Silverbolt overcomes his fear of heights to destroy the key and everyone lived happily ever after. Except for Alpha Trion. Dude's dead. Kinda. Oh, and this is a David Weiss joint, so that means Ants gets to tell us how he repurposed this for an episode in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or something. Wait, is there a way this can be used for Ninja Turtles that isn't really, really weird or creepy? Eh, as long as crying's in it. So that's pretty much it for this episode. As you can tell, it's not my fate. Wait, is that what I think it is? My god, this is amazing! No, no, really! This episode features not one, but two robots voiced by Rob Paulson. Rob freaking Paulson! I love Rob Paulson! This changes everything. I love this episode. I give it 9.5 out of 10 narfs. I have to go back and watch it again now. Oh, uh, back, back to you, Ant. And, of course, you can catch Jason on his podcast, Podvocacy, his other podcast, Wrestling on the Edge of Forever, and uh, as a regular on Radio Free Cybertron. I'll include a link to one of those <laughs> in the show notes. Which one? You'll just have to look to find out. Uh, a couple of talking points here from my end. First, let's mention, once again, David Wise. No reuse, no wise to the game on this episode. Second, uh, there's an interesting soundbite from Optimus Prime when uh, bringing the lifeless aerial bots to Vector Sigma. Give a listen. One Autobot gave his life so that six could be born. So here Optimus uh, is talking about sacrifice of one so that six can live. Uh, but we will only meet five aerial bots in this scene. Uh, I don't know if that was a mistake or if that was foreshadowing for the, the eventual combined mode of Superion, but as far as Optimus is concerned, he counts combiners as separate characters. Another soundbite I find interesting in this episode is uh, when the Autobots are being rolled on by the Stunticons at high speeds, Optimus makes this assumption. Uh-oh. We got trouble. Incoming Decepticons and fast. Starscream and the Jets. Starry. Starry. Starry and the Jets. Come on, we know that's everyone's favorite Elton John song is Starscream and the Jets. I'm serious, that line always gets Benny and the Jets stuck in my head. Uh, some other fun things worth mentioning here. Uh, the aerial bots and the Stunticons uh, first fight is actually a pretty good sequence. Uh, it's a pretty cool uh, series of animation and uh, worth checking out. And remember that deleted scene I mentioned back in part one of the key to Vector Sigma? Uh, I know Jason was a bit confused by that, and that's kind of the point. So that scene led to part two where Omega Supreme, from his damage from fighting with shockwave in part one would have been too wounded 
to maintain himself together much more after his landing, uh, thus exploding as he did in part two. And finally, uh, there's a playable moment in this episode, one that I know I emulated as a kid a lot, and that is Silverbolt uh, conquering his fear of heights. Um, and that scene of just him climbing and then him trying to uh, steady his nerves to uh, shoot the key to Vector Sigma and destroy it is uh, is something I know I certainly replayed in my basement with my Silverbolt a lot. Steady... Steady. So long, cruel world. Nice shooting, kid. Let's go home. And that brings us to our next episode, Aerial Assault, Season 2, Episode 42, overall Episode 48 by Douglas Booth. And uh, this is actually the only episode out of these five not written by David Wise. Uh, And again features lots of aerial bots. So, somewhere in the Middle East, uh, we're not exactly sure where, uh, this kid, he tries to steal a tire from a junkyard and uh, gets caught, uh, gets thrown out of the junkyard and continues to witness some sort of airplane parts deal going on. From the air, the aerial bots are surveying the area for missing aircraft. Just then, the aerial bots are ambushed by... The Combaticons, uh, they haven't been introduced yet. What, what's going on here? So um, we'll find out how they get introduced in about two episodes of this show. But uh, in the story, a fight ensues. Slingshot gets uh, trapped in a cave. And Optimus and the Autobots arrive. Uh, as reinforcements, they help the Aerobots win and rescue Slingshot back at a hangar. Skydive has a plan. You know, planes have been disappearing from this base, too. Maybe if I pretended to be a regular jet, I could get stolen by the plane nappers. So in this plan to go undercover, Slingshot decides to join him, though his weapons unit is uh, not been reinstalled during his repairs, and uh, he is awaiting shipment of a new one. So he joins him, and they get plane napped by... Uh, some men driving laundry trucks. Uh, turns out these parts are too complicated to use on their stolen cars. And uh, this kid who's been watching is still spying. And this whole thing turns out to be a Decepticon operation. That Decepticon is Swindle, who we have yet to meet because he is part of the Combaticons. Uh, the laundry trucks drive away. This kid, he follows on a motorcycle and uh, pulls an evil Knievel onto the laundry truck by launching himself off a ramp and into the trucks. The aerial bots skydive and slingshot, their cover is blown, and they transform into torsos. Just torsos. In fact, uh, slingshot is even missing his arm and mentions it in this scene because uh, they didn't put him back together properly. We find out this kid is named Hassan, and we find out the car thief ring is led by a man named Ali, who is working with Megatron, who is trying to build a drone jet army. Hassan helps rebuild Skydive and Slingshot, but Slingshot is uh, missing his chest plate, to which Hassan drives up a Rolls Royce from the Prince's collection, and Slingshot decides to put on some bling wearing a gold Rolls-Royce front end on his chest. Not making this up. We find out the Decepticons have a base, and it is a mechanical griffin. Uh, Finally, Silverbolt and Air Raid arrive, and Megatron orders Vortex, Blastoff, and Ramjet to lead the Decepticon drone jets into battle. 12 to 2! Our guys are going to get killed! Make that 12 to 3! Wait, wait, wait. Where's Fireflight during all this? Um, Slingshot doesn't have weapons, and Fireflight is not there, and nor is it explained why he's not there. In the meantime, Hassan infiltrates the Griffin looking for the part to give Slingshot back his weaponry, and uh, the Griffin opens fire on the aerial bots, the Combaticons. They try to form Bruticus, but Slingshot decides to keep Blastoff from joining the team. Uh, 
and eventually gets thrown into the Griffin. The Combaticons combine and form Bruticus and Hassan just in time to deliver the weapons console to Slingshot on the Griffin. Slingshot uses a uh, tow hook that he has uh, attached to him uh, to trip Bruticus, and then finally, Fireflight arrives. Hi, guys! Anything going on? It's about time you got here. But why was Fireflight late? Uh, no explanations here, or just about ever, so much like the number of licks to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop, the world will never know. The Aerobots then combine into Superion, the Griffin attacks, and uh, gets kicked into an oil field, the Griffin, not Superion, to which the Aerobots separate and blow up the oil field. Ali gets arrested, and we find out that Hassan is actually the dethroned prince of whatever country this is, uh, Prince Jamal, and Slingshot is actually wearing uh, his Rolls Royce on his chest, and uh, that's where the episode winds up. So, moving on to Season 2, Episode 43, overall Episode 59, written by David Wise, arguably the most important single episode of Transformers from Season 1 through Season 2, and that is War Dawn. And uh, War Dawn has a, a lot going on for it, so we are going to learn a lot about the history of the Transformers here in just one episode. And it starts with the Aerobots chasing the uh, Seekers. And uh, this is the first time we've seen Starscream in a while. Starry! Starry! Starry on the Jets! And the Seekers have, and, and I'm saying this in quotes, half the world's leaders uh, kidnapped and aboard them. But Starscream Starry on the Jets! has a plan. There's only one way to get those Aerobots off our tails, and that's to and of course, these dozens of free-falling humans are caught on the Aerobots' plane exteriors. Either those exteriors are very soft, or um, these humans are very, very sturdy because they should be splattering on those wings. Uh, the Aerobots save the humans, uh, but they are a bit enamored with the Seekers, and... We find this out back at the Autobot base as they're talking about how great the Seekers are at flying and how cool the uh, Decepticons are. And there's an interesting backstory to the Aerobots' attitudes towards the Decepticons and Megatron and the Seekers as told by the episode's writer, David Wise. I started thinking about it and I thought, well, they're, they've just been created. created. They're not mature. Let's say they're like teenagers. Maybe they don't quite get that the Decepticons are like evil and that the Autobots are like not evil and it is better to be not evil than to be evil. And honestly, I was also thinking a little bit of the movie Rambo, which had just come out and was huge, especially with young boys. And I was like, I hated when I was like, this guy's a freaking fascist. That's all he is. Just, he's just a fascist. I, I did not like it. I mean, I didn't like that kids were idolizing a fascist. So that some of that feeling went into the idea that the area bots would think that the Decepticons are really cool because they want to do something. They just go ahead and do it. They don't wait to ask permission. They just they get stuff that, you know. And so I thought, how are we going to teach them this lesson that, 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 that that's wrong? Now, at Autobot headquarters, Teltran 1 finds some odd energy readings, and the bots take Omega Supreme to Cybertron. Megatron, notified by Soundwave of the takeoff, activates the space bridge. Turns out Megatron is building a time machine on Cybertron called the Chronosphere, and instead of using it to travel through time, he's going to use it to trap the aerial bots. Now, Starscream and the Jets attack the Aerial Bots on Cybertron. 
but the Aerobots, they just want to talk. So, uh, Starscream offers to show them just how great the Decepticons are. You'll see, the Decepticons are a swell bunch, and we have fun! And so, Starscream walks them to uh, the Chronosphere and sends them into the past. The Aerobots, they end up, uh, with a little help from Optimus Prime blowing up the Chronosphere, end up in the Golden Age of Cybertron about 9 million years ago. There, the Aerobots meet uh, a robot named Orion Pax, his uh, best friend Dion, and Pax's girlfriend, Ariel. And uh, they encounter these folks at an energy depot near a river. So we find out that Cybertron has rivers. In the air, they see Megatron flying. And of course, the Aerobots, they are just dumb teenagers. Gee, maybe we should get to cover before they attack us. Fireflight, we're in the past. Megatron doesn't know who we are. How could Megatron not know who we are? This is millions of years ago. We haven't been built yet. Huh? And speaking of dumb teenagers, Orion Pax and Dion, they're pretty enamored with Megatron as well, uh, mainly because he can fly. Uh, Megatron lands and ends up meeting Orion Pax, wants to uh, store some things at his hangar, and it turns out the Decepticons are in disguise and they attack. Megatron shoots and kills Orion Pax and Ariel, and Dion gets gunned down by the army of Decepticon robots. Aerobots arrive uh, at the hangar and find Pax and Ariel uh, in their damaged, destroyed states. Back in the modern day, the Decepticons on Cybertron find a headless Guardian robot. Now, these Guardian robots are basically blue and white versions of Omega Supreme. And in the Golden Age of Cybertron, they were something to be dealt with. And actually, they get mentioned, the Guardian Robots, we find out Omega Supreme was a Guardian Robot way back during the uh, secret of Omega Supreme. And Skywarp and Thundercracker, they react to this. And it's interesting to note here that uh, Thundercracker, not voiced by his regular actor of John Stevenson, but by voice director Wally Burr. Those things give me the creeps. Yeah, they sure used to give us a pounding back in the old days. So we find out just how badass these Guardian robots were, and Shockwave is given the task to reactivate this Guardian robot, even without a head. He's a little concerned that it'll uh, limit his maneuverability, but Megatron gives us this classic G1 Megatron quote. It doesn't need a head, just a good, strong body. Back at the Chronosphere, uh, Wheeljack and the rest of the Autobots continue to try to repair the Chronosphere in order to bring the Aerobots back from the past. In the past, the Aerobots are looking for help, and Slingshot has learned a bit of a tough lesson. That Megatron, I'll pay him back for this if it's the last thing I do. And he's the guy you wanted to be pals with. And in their search for help, the Aerobots meet a young Alpha Trion who agrees to repair Orion Pax. And only after he realizes that the Force is strong with this one. <sighs> I do detect a strong spirit within him. We cut away and see the Guardian robots defending the city against the Decepticons. And pretty soon, Alpha Trion and his repairs are successful. Well, it's finished. You may not recognize him. He is no longer Orion Pax. Now he is the first of our new defenders, Optimus Prime. And thus, Optimus Prime is born. So therefore... The Aerobots are their own grandpa. I'm my own grandpa. I'm my own grandpa. It sounds funny, I know, but it really is so. Oh, I'm my own grandpa. And from here we find out that Alpha Trion has plans to rebuild Ariel. A female warrior. Huh. I'll call her... Elita One. 
We cut back to the Decepticons in the past fighting the Guardian robots, and Megatron blows one's head right off. A nice little bit of tying the past and the future together. But until Optimus shows up and kills a lot of Decepticons, the Aerobots uh, see some transport drones and have a plan to stop them by blowing up the place they're going with all of the energy. In the present time, the Decepticons decide to attack the Autobots at the Chronosphere with the Headless Guardian robot. In the past, the Aerobots begin to set off their bomb, hoping to stop the drones and the soldiers, uh, but realize that they will be blown up at the same time. But just in time, they are transported back to modern times. The Aerobots then combine to defeat Superion before the rest of the Decepticons escape. But before the episode ends, Wheeljack has a question. Hey, what happened to you guys in the past anyway? Ah, uh, not much. We learned a few things about Megatron and about you, Optimus Prime. Or, um, should I say, Orion Pax? You? So you five were the ones who saved me. Oh, I'm my own grandpa. Now, I cannot stress enough about how important this episode is in Transformers history and Transformers lore. It gives us a great backstory myth. And uh, a lot of that comes from David Wise, who in writing this kind of tripped over and into the idea of doing an Optimus Prime origin story. And I was like, okay, now what's the first shot going to be? And then, and only then did it occur to me, well, what if there's, they make friends with the robot? Uh, with, with, there aren't really Autobots yet, there's just robots. Who gets killed. He, he was the recipient of the first shot of the first battle of the war between the Decepticons and the Autobots. And what if they rebuilt that guy as, what if he was like, in essence, resurrected Christ-like as, as Optimus Prime. So that was the end of the process. And then when I got to that, I went, oh, shit, I'm doing Optimus Prime's origin story. I hope they haven't, they don't already have an origin story for him because I'm screwed. And then I went, ah, the heck with it. I'm just going to write it. If they don't like it, they can bite me. <laughs> but this episode also gave us uh, a bunch of characters that we would eventually see in toy form. Uh, and that is such as Orion Pax and Dion, who would uh, be the first to get toys from this episode in the Transformers Collection series. Uh, they were just uh, reissues and recolors of uh, Orion was Cup and Dion was Wheelie uh, done in the colors as seen on the show. But eventually the Transformers Collectors Club would also do a Dion figure uh, E-Hobby in Japan, after they reissued, after Takara reissued Omega Supreme, they would do an E-Hobby version as the Guardian robot. And most recently, in the 2018 line of Power of the Primes, the Optimus Prime figure separates from its main body and turns into a very cartoon-like, and I say that in a good way, as in matching the cartoon, uh, Orion Pax. Now, for a little bit more on this episode, I'm going to turn it over to Charles, a.k.a. Big C, from Transmissions Podcast. Hi, this is Charles, a.k.a. Big C, from the Transmissions Podcast, um, talking about War Dawn, another uh, G1 Season 2 episode. This episode was a fun one for me, uh, at least as a kid. It uh, kind of ticked all the boxes for me as a as a you know a, a young up and coming continuity nerd. Uh, it was one of the rare G one episodes that actually referenced a previous episode in the series, and uh, you know you got to see a little bit of the history of the war. Uh, you know how Optimus Prime became Optimus Prime. It it, it had a there's a lot of juicy uh, juicy tidbits in here. Uh, of course, uh, the aerial bots come off looking uh, kind of dumb, uh, other than Silverbolt. Silverbolt's, uh, you know, he's he's uh, got his head on straight, but uh, as a leader, he kind of <laughs> fails to keep his uh, his team in line. But the other aerial bots, led by Slingshot, uh, of all people, uh, are really enamored with the Decepticon jets. 
and just think they're uh, they're the bee's knees. It's it's really weird how they think. Oh, just because the the other jets look kind of cool, maybe they're not evil after all. That's a that's a weird leap in logic. But uh, yeah, even even as a kid, that that seemed weird to me why the aerial bots suddenly thought the Decepticon jets were cool. But uh, this uh, the time travel aspect of the show was uh, was interesting because watching it now as an adult. It's weird to see how little anyone cared about, uh, you know, messing with the space time continuum or, or changing the timeline. I mean, that's a concern that like no one has in this episode uh, that when the aerobots get trapped in the past, uh, they're you know, the Autobots are, are trying to rescue them. But no one's concerned that maybe if the aerobots, you know, step on the wrong bug, they'll uh, someone will blink out of existence because they change the timeline. Uh, and even Megatron, his grand plan for building a time machine is just to steal energy from the past. I mean, he doesn't think about going back and, say, murdering Orion Pax or murdering Optimus Prime before he, you know, becomes the great leader that he is. It's it's interesting how, you know, how uh, how low Megatron's ambitions were for, you know, for all the effort he spent building a time machine. Um of course, uh, in the past, we, we see the origin of Optimus Prime with Orion Pax and, uh, and Alita One as well. Uh, and I know fans always had uh, debates about what happened to Dion. I mean, it seems like uh, he's not mentioned anymore in the episode after he gets blasted. Everyone speculates, did Dion become Ironhide? Did Dion become Ultra Magnus in the future? And uh, I, I think the writers probably didn't care. I think Dion was just a, a casualty. And, you know, Dion didn't make it. He's he doesn't survive to the present day. I mean, but uh, I, I, I think fans still like to speculate. So maybe I, I'll that's my opinion. But, uh, you know, if you have a different one, that's fine. Write Write your great fanfic that uh, imagines who Dion became in the future. But it was also cool to notice on the rewatch that. Slingshot, the uh, the aerial bot that got the most uh, character development in this episode, was voiced by Rob Paulson. So you might remember him as the voice of Yakko and Pinky on Animaniacs. Uh, I know my uh, co-host on Transmissions, Jeremy, is a big fan of uh, Mr. Paulson. Uh, I am too. I love that Animaniacs, but it, it, this is a, you know, ten. Not maybe not quite ten years before Animaniacs took off, so it's it's interesting to see uh, Rob Paulson doing some voice work on uh, an old '80s cartoon. So that was that was a uh, you know a fun recognition there. Uh, also, uh, as I mentioned, this this episode directly references the search for Alpha Trion because we do have a younger Alpha Trion here. And he rebuilds both Orion Pax and Ariel into Optimus Prime and Alita One. So we get the reference that uh, why their schematics are so similar is because he used the same template to build them. Of course, uh, the one little uh, hiccup there is that in the episode of The Search for Alpha Trion, Optimus Prime doesn't seem to remember that Alpha Trion is his creator or rebuilder, I guess. So it's... Uh, a slight little snafu there, but, uh, you know, it's the 80s. We'll forgive them. Yeah, so uh, those are my thoughts on War Dawn. Uh, really fun G1 episode. And uh, thanks for listening. And, of course, you can catch Charles and the Transmissions gang on Transmissions Podcast. On iTunes, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts, you're most likely going to find them. So make sure you check them out. And of course, links in the show notes. Finally, we get to the final episode that we will cover here before we get into the final five. Season two, episode 44 overall, episode 60. Written once again by David Wise. This is Trans Europe Express. And that is actually uh, named by Wise after a Kraftwerk album of the same name. Now, for more. Going to turn it over to the world's biggest Blue Streak fan, the gamer going gray, David Schulz. All right, Trans Europe Express, written by David Wise. It starts with Megatron out in Istanbul with a bunch of bad stereotypes, looking for a character named Abdul Ben Faizo, who apparently knows where this Pearl of Bahudin is. Um, 
that's the uh, MacGuffin for the episode. Um, after that scene, uh, we go over to Paris, where the Europa 2000 is about to start, where an anonymous donor is donating two twenty million dollars to charity, and the winner gets one million dollars. Um, there's this jerk named Augie Kinney with a really sweet car, and the Autobots are also there to perform in the charity work and also to keep an eye on Augie and his car. In the meantime, the Decepticons capture a jealous named Professor Terranova who helps them find the Pearl location, which just so happens to be near where the end of the Europa 2000 is going to be. Um, so the, Decepti the Stunticons are called in to take out the Autobots. Um, back to the race, Augie runs uh, Bumblebee off the road, uh, who then climbs onto Blue Streak, and they catch up and try to talk some sense into uh, Mr. Kinney. The Stunticons take out Sideswipe, Sunstreaker, Motormaster entirely flattens Wheeljack, and then Smokestrain is knocked off the road. Blue Streak manages to escape by jumping off a wild rider and jumping onto a cliff, where he miraculously runs into Professor Terranova, who had escaped the Decepticons, um, who then ex just explains the plot line to the Autobots, because they have no idea what's going on. Uh, the Stunticons also take Augie Kinney's car. Back at the dig site to try to find the pearl, the Constructicons find it. At the race, Augie gets into Blue Streak. It's nearly a three-way tie at the end of the race between Blue Streak, Trax, and Bumblebee, with um, Blue Streak uh, guests to be the winner. Uh, so everybody's like, well, wait to hear from them, even though the Autobots just drive off. They find the Decepticons, then Megatron explains the MacGuffin in a flashback that it's part of a weather machine. In the past, when it was dug up, it destroyed cities, and then it was uh, covered in gold and jewels to hold the power in and then buried again. But something within Augie's car could control it for the Decepticons. There is a fight scene. Uh, Bumblebee uh, gets the pearl from Megatron. He's animated really small almost human size when he gets it from megatron it's really weird he opens it it causes a storm uh the stunticons uh form menasaur which caught which causes some destruction and then the pearl opens all the way so of course megatron says retreat of course <laughs> um this time it made some sense. He'd say, we're going to stay in our underwater base while the Earth tears itself apart, and then we'll come up when it, uh, when it gets, uh, when the storm goes away. Who knows how long that'll be after the Earth is destroyed. Um, Menasaur keeps attacking the Autobots. Agikune gets into his car, slams into Menasaur. Uh, Bumblebee jumps into a tornado and uh, shoots the Pearl. And then um, at the end, they, they realize that Megatron actually uh, was the anonymous donor for the charity. So there wasn't going to be any prize money. Um, and it was all just to get Augie Kinney to put his car into the race. The Autobots then decide they're going to sell the pearl cover with the gold and the jewels. And they'll be able to get that money to donate to charity. And Augie has a change of heart and agrees to it, even though he ruined his car. I like this episode. It's it's a it's a fun episode. There's a MacGuffin. It's 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 a standard Transformers episode. And of course, I like it because Blue Streak's my favorite character. And it's odd having him kind of be the main character. Maybe him and Bumblebee a little bit. Um, this late into season two, uh, at this point, there's a lot of new toys. Blue Streak isn't really in it. Most of the centric episodes around this time are focused on characters from season two with the exception of the big names like optimus megatron bumblebee but here you got blue streak whose only big role was way back in season one and roll for it and he has a very major role in this so that's why i like it um now david wise wrote this and of course he used he used this uh plot point of a weather controlling device creating a bunch of storms and then 
someone having to jump into it later in an episode of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And uh, I believe it was Hot Rod and Teenagers from Dimension X. Uh, Leonardo has to jump out and slice a weather machine into in a, a big tornado storm, similar to what Bumblebee had to do with shooting it. So, another David Wise copied storyline. Uh, other moments I really liked in this episode, because I'm always about the individual moments. Um, uh, Blue Streak and Trax just shoot Scrapper, who's like confused as to what's going on. They shoot him and just knock him over. It's hard to explain. It's just really funny to watch. The animation's hilarious. He just falls over. And then at one point, Blue Streak says, Such senseless violence! Before he shoots... Um, some rocks to knock Menasaur off, which is a callback probably back to his tech spec where he's not supposed to be a big violent guy, but it's never really touched in the series. So overall, I like this episode. And I... Maybe not my favorite, but I still do like it. And of course, you can catch David on his YouTube channel, Gamer Going Gray. Check the show notes for a link. So, also a couple of few little trivia notes and fun things to mention. Uh, this is the final episode where Blue Streak will have a speaking role. Same goes for Smokescreen and Sunstreaker, and it is uh, one of four pre-movie episodes, meaning season one or season two, that does not have Optimus Prime in it in any way, shape, or form. Also worth noting, uh, <laughs> there's a fun gag at the beginning uh, where Megatron is uh, searching for someone. I'm looking for Abdul Ben Faisal. You are referring to the greatest sage in all Istanbul, sir. I would never reveal his whereabouts to hoodlums such as you. I think you will. 1024 Draymond Street, behind the herb vendor shop next to the mosque of Sultan Selim. And of course, this wouldn't be a G1 episode without some bizarre geography. Uh, namely the stuff going on in Paris. Uh, so there are skyscrapers around the Eiffel Tower, which are not there at the actual Eiffel Tower. And uh, the Arc de Triomphe uh, is located like in the middle of a park here, uh, but it's actually located in a, with a traffic circle that rotates around it, uh, drives around it. And uh, that is nowhere to be seen because this is where the Trans-Europe Express is going to start. There's a cool scene where Wheeljack gets flattened by a motor master, and I, I really wish I remembered this episode from my childhood, or I should say, I really wish as a child I remembered this episode because this totally would have been a playable moment uh, because motor master chasing Wheeljack and eventually crushing him is, is just kind of cool overall. And finally, on Trax's computer, when he identifies the stunticons uh, that he sees, Wild Rider is ID'd as Word Rider, W-I-R-D-R-I-D-E-R, which sounds like a terrible app for your phone. And that will close out another five episodes of Season 2 of Generation 1, and that means we just have five more left as we wrap up 1985 here on Transformers University. Of course, if you want to chat with me, you want to... Get in touch with me about the show. If you have questions, comments, uh, curses, or compliments, please send them my way. Twitter, at TFU underscore info. Facebook.com slash TFU info. Instagram.com slash TFU info. And, of course, YouTube.com slash TFU info. Please subscribe. We love when you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And, of course, if you'd like to support the show directly, swing on by to our Patreon account, patreon.com slash T-F-U-I-N-F-O. You can sign up for as little as a dollar a month, and that will get you all sorts of access to exclusive shows, some goodies, and uh, all sorts of other fun things over at Patreon. Finally, don't forget to use our Amazon links, tfu.info slash Amazon Anything you buy on Amazon, especially with the holiday season coming up, Black Friday's almost here. There's going to be some great toy deals. Uh, tfu.info slash Amazon. Amazon will throw some change our way to help keep this show going. Lastly, 
We're celebrating 16 years at tfu.info. Yes, 16 years since the site launched. If you don't use it, please swing on by www.tfu.info, the world's longest-running transforming toy archive. You can take a look at all the 1984 and 85 figures, plus everything uh, I could get photos of from the beginning all the way through uh, 2016. And uh, post-2016, things are coming soon as we get through our redesign. Good news about the redesign, if you are keeping up with that. Uh, the redesign pages are updated through the year uh, 1999, so I'm jumping into the year 2000 uh, as I work on the redesign alongside of this podcast and our sister podcast, TFU News and Views. Next time on the show, we are talking some more Transformers books from 1985 because there was a lot of things published in 1985, and this time we're going to talk about uh, the Pickwick audiobook series and... Uh, also, the see and read audiobooks, and there were two of them. So, should be a lot of fun, should be a lot of stuff, stuff I've never experienced. So, you're going to learn about them right alongside of me. Till next time, I am your host, Anthony Brucali. See you.